In service and solidarity, my name is Ahmed Al-Nasir. This is your PBHA podcast. Hello and welcome back to episode two of the PBHA podcast. In this episode, we're focusing on alumni. At the time of recording this, November 2019, PBHA just had their annual Alumni Weekend events, where PBHA alums from all over the country came together to reminisce, reflect, and engage with current PBHAers. This year's focus was on Bri, and I got to go around and record some of these engagements as they happened, as well as sit down with Angelique Orazon, who was class of 2008, to discuss his own experiences and advice he has for students, for community members, for people on reflecting on their own work. Firstly, before we start anything, I think a good way to start this episode is to talk about Carrie, one of our directors of program, and from what I've heard, the heart and soul of Bry. He was honored by surprise at this event for his efforts in the, these programs, and anything I say won't parallel to what the following people will say about him. So before that starts, I just want to say, love you, Carrie. Your commitment to service and empowering of others means a whole lot to me and everyone here at PBHA. So without further ado, here we go. Hey, uh, this is a little bit going off script. Um, I think that uh, you've been around PBHA and the work you've done with the community for so long that you forgot about the decade of the 80s. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I wasn't planning to say this, but uh, if you're talking about Bry, uh, 1988, I was a Bry kid. Um, that was my, uh, I think, first summer or second summer in the United States. And um, coming from Vietnam and I didn't speak English. <laughs> and I was just saying, oh sorry, my name is Tree. Uh, some of you know me, some of you don't. Um, Harvard 2002. Uh, so yeah, that was my second summer in uh, America. And uh, my parents have a lot to thank you, Carrie, because uh, I, they actually sent me off to the YMCA first <laughs> for the summer camp. And uh, I got really upset. I was crying, I was really angry. I said, I, I don't understand what they're saying the kids, because I didn't speak English. <laughs> so then they sent me the bride. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I can speak Vietnamese to these other kids, right? So uh, that was 1988, and you forgot that decade, because, you know, you mentioned the 90s, and there's some people here from the 90s, and some people who were mentoring, you know, who were here as JC, but that's actually a bride kid who uh, actually came up. And um, thanks to Christy, uh, I came back, and pretty much uh, was a mentor during my time in Harvard, among other things. <laughs> One thing that Christy forgot to say in terms of the bride boo-ha-has and all this stuff that she <laughs> showed Maria, Christy's pretty good with driving the bride van. <laughs> you can just imagine how many um, students that she picked around the way uh, with that bride van and whipping around Dorchester pulling things. Uh, she probably didn't share that with you. But she's a pretty good driver. And as uh, Jess actually shared before, Jess actually um, began her student teaching at the Mather with my parents who were teaching at the Mather for 25 years in Dorchester. Anyways, uh, this is just to share that probably without Bri, I probably wouldn't enjoyed America that much because <laughs> I couldn't speak English. And uh, maybe Bri was the first stepping stone towards whatever I'm doing right now, which is maybe showing up today and thanking you, Carrie, and everyone here. Um, 
firsthand, it's actually really interesting to see some folks back. We wouldn't probably imagine 20 years ago that we'd be in this position. So thank you, and there's a, an impact that these programs have that people can't imagine sometimes. There's always something inherently sweet about people talking about their experiences, in this case, in the 80s and 90s with PBHA. You know, I always, I always feel a little bit of regret that I never grew up in Boston, so I can't say that I'm a PBHA kid or a camper. But I think more as a whole, it's very, it's very nice to see that the impact that you have really lasts a lifetime. And somebody, you know, 20, 15 years out of college and into the real world will still remember the impact that, you know, you've had on them in their communities. I think Carrie's work is symbolic of a larger thing, which is the impact of your service. And alumni can really show that because in some cases they've kept these experiences for decades. These next two clips are going to be about Bry alumni who are reflecting on their times at Bry as a whole. Um, they've, I've kept them very organic in the sense that there are background noises, laughter, people rumbling in their seats, um, just because I feel like it adds more to the reflective aspect. You feel like you're sitting in the same room as people who are reflecting. Um, I hope that listening to these two next speakers really makes you think about where you stand, how you feel. Um, if you were in that room, what would you say about your program, not specifically about Bry? We should just get on to see that. volunteered with Bry from 1996 till 2000, so a, a long time ago. Um, and um, and I, I, I think uh, I ended up doing a lot of different things with PBHA over, over my time, um, but Bry was uh, the thing that brought me to PBHA. It was certainly the thing that kept me uh, centered during my time here. And though I sort of graduated in 2000 and stopped um, officially volunteering with Bry, um, I have certainly um, uh, certainly st stayed involved with the program um, over over the years. Um, I guess I would say the I volunteered with Bry one to one, and so I was uh, paired with a couple of different um, uh, siblings. And um, I can share a million things that Bry gave to me. Um, I was I think that um, for me, uh, coming from a small town in Maine, um, coming to Boston, I think it was wonderful to be able to um, have the uh, opportunity to be part of an Asian American community. I think it was incredibly important to actually have really good Asian food when I when their parents <laughs> invited me over for dinner. Um, and, uh, and it was great to have a relationship um, with um, with young kids over time who are now in their mid thirties. Um, <laughs> but you know, I taught my little brother how to, how to drive stick shift. I actually I taught three of them to drive sick shift on the car that no longer is able to drive anymore. Um, I, um, uh, I, you know, I took them to and from school stuff. I was actually texting um, three years ago with my little sister while she was deciding on residency programs. She's a physician, I'm a physician, she's now also a physician. Um, so the, the, that longitudinal relationship is something that really I think has defined everything that I've done since. Um, so, um, and I think that's true for many of us. So uh, I now uh, work as a, as a doctor um, in a, uh, a large HIV clinic in, in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, about half of the patients I care for are immigrants. Um, and um, so that has been uh, 
sort of part of the, the trajectory of my, of my life. And so I will say one last thing, which was talking to my, um, uh, my sibs last night, because I was like, what are you asking to say something? You go, I know I hate talking in front of groups. So <laughs> what, should I, what should I say? And um, they were like, uh, like what, did, what did Brian mean to you? you know, all of them went on to be JCs and then counselors um, and, and volunteers with, with bribe programs. Um, and, uh, and Bob said, um, he's like, there are three big things. One, it improved my English. But more importantly, he said the field trips, everything, it really exposed me to um, American culture outside of Dorchester. And that was so important for sort of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and he said, you know, and love and these long lasting relationships that we've had. Um, and um, so uh, I will share their thoughts with you as well, since they are all actually working this weekend and couldn't come. Um, they said, you know, that it, it was meaningful for them as well. And here comes the other one. I've had a bunch of nicknames over the years. Um, so I think I, I stumbled upon Brian. I think I was in, I was in high school, um, folks familiar with the Boston Private Industry Council yeah. pick. So my pick counselor at the time just showed me this job. It was actually my first real job. Um, and it's very similar because I'm kind of doing the same job now. But I believe I was a junior counselor from 05, 06, and 07. So three years as a JC. Um, while I was in high school, probably some of the most formative, formidable years. Um, I mean, it was during my formidable years, but just great memories. Um, and I later came back in 2010, I believe, to be a junior counselor coordinator or leaders director at the time. I think the name changed that year. Um, and at that time, I worked with RYI and Franklin, and I was sort of jealous because Bride wasn't like my camp. And Bride was the camp that I grew up in. And um, I see some folks from other from RYI here actually too, and I remember saying to them, Bride's the best camp, right? <laughs> at that time, I wasn't working with Bride, right? I was working with two other camps. And, um, different too, right? Like the, I think Bride was very unique because of the mission and the history and, and sort of the population of students that was working with. Um, and so when I started in 05, there actually was a, so I'm Cape Verdean, and so there was a huge Cape Verdean population of students at the time, and I, and I felt like these were my babies, and I'm here sort of representing them and, and sort of as their junior counselor. So I took that job very, very seriously, um, and took my job as a JC. I think at the time, JC had the, JCs had the requirement of teaching maybe one hour a week, um, maybe less. Um, and so I took that very seriously and like planned lessons and like, I'm like, wow, like I'm a, I'm a teacher, it's really cool. Um, and so spent three summers doing that. Um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of my friends to this day, um, two, two of them were in my wedding. Um, they were fellow JCs with me. One of them, my best man, he actually knew him growing up. I'm the one that connected him to Bryce, so a lot of connections there. Um, and so today, I work as a, as a guidance counselor. I'm the director of a guidance department in Boston Public Schools in Mission High School. So I'm still a counselor. So my first job was a counselor, and my current job is a counselor. And so it's a job that I, I take very seriously, and I think back. Um, sometimes I sit in my office when I'm meeting with students, and, I'm, and, I, and I see myself in my students, and I think back to my high school years, and I think back to that first job where I had no idea what the hell I was doing, right? But I just think back to that time um, and um, just like it's, it's been so instrumental in my own development um, as, as a counselor today, my own development as a person, my own development as a human being, um, and I'm just incredibly thankful. Um, I want to just give a special shout out to Maria. Um, I remember just being a kid, you know what I mean, just like going up to your office and just like venting or just, you know, just talking, right? And, and, and you're still very much a part of my life today. I've seen your kids grow, um, and it's just, it's amazing just the connections that I was able to make at such a young age. 
um, through the bride program and, and and looking at the diversity of, of that camp, right? When you when you talk about you know students from Vietnam, students from Cape Verde, students from Haiti, students from various countries in Africa, students from various Hispanic countries, right? Just like in a camp, right? And I think about the, the beauty of a camp. So now I work in a school, and I love my summers, right? Because the year is very long and very hard. But I think about like the, the, the necessity of a camp and how a camp can be so instrumental in a young person's development. Um, and it's not something that we talk about when we talk about education, right? We talk about standardized test scores. We talk about the um, Department of Justice looking at our ESL minutes, right? But the, the camp, we don't talk about that and how instrumental it is in like the development of young people, but also the development of like older people, because I was a high school student and then a college student working for um, PBHA. And so instrumental in my own development sort of has helped impact in my future. And I don't ever see myself leaving this work. So now I'm the director of a department, I'm doing less counseling, but I'm a counselor by practice, right? That is my role, that's where I started, and that's probably where I'll end up staying, right? So thank you for having me here today. Listening to Joe and Valdi speak, I was taken aback by just how much laughter they brought in, you know, how many good times, how much, like, goofy moments, and it really had me thinking about how important the laughs are to reflection in general. For me personally, I was especially like happy to know that a lot of the problems or thought processes that they were sharing were things that, you know, all of us feel. Like, wow, I was in this camp and I should have been in this one because they looked like they were having so much more fun or like issues with the vans or things like that are all universal things that we all think about. And I guess like, when developing a culture, that's important because people see parts of their own experiences and others' experiences, and that's unifying in a way. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to both of them as much as I did. Um, we can tell from the applause that everybody else greatly enjoyed it as well. And that room, you know, was full of, like, good times. It felt like it felt like we were back then looking in at what Briar felt like for these specific alumni. Now, I will sit down with Angelico Razon, where we will talk about his own experiences being a student in service and an alumni looking back, as well as advice he would have for other people in, that would be in his position. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, um, my name is Angelico Razon. Uh, I am Harvard class of 2008. Um, when I was an undergrad, I was uh, involved in the Phillips Brooks House Association. Um, I worked mostly, or I start, my involvement started off with uh, the Chinatown After School Program, um, and then also the Harvard Square Homeless Shelter. Um, I also volunteered for a couple of other programs, like, uh, I don't know if they're, they're still around, but uh, Common Square, um, Sabes, um, probably more, uh, um, alternative spring break, a lot of the Katrina relief efforts as well. Um, and then, of course, I was also involved in the officers committee, so I was student development chair um, back in 2006, and then I was president in 2007. It's funny, I remember the years I was involved, but I don't remember what year I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, afterwards, I uh, was, was actually the first nonprofit management fellow um, no. right, after, yeah, right after I graduated. Oh, and then I did a lot of support uh, stuff, and then I also directed 
Chinatown Adventure actually after I graduated. I, wow. It was the summer after I graduated from college. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you do now? Uh, so now I am a physician. Um, so after um, after college, oh, after so after nonprofit, nonprofit management fellow, I went to med school. I went to residency. I did residency in uh, combined specialty. So I'm uh, double board certified in internal medicine and pediatrics. And currently, I am uh, so I'm a practicing physician. I work mostly in Philadelphia, uh, and I work um, mostly with young adults. Uh, with special healthcare needs, uh, and especially around their transition into adulthood. Um, so like, what does it mean to be a young person with a disability and to have to navigate kind of the really difficult transition to adulthood? So you mentioned that you work with children and teens. Uh, I'm wondering how much did PBHA play a role in that? And if it didn't, what played a role in that? Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it played a huge role. Um, so, um, you know, um, so the reason why I wanted, the reason why I got started with specifically actually Chinatown after school was that um, uh, I grew up, I myself grew up in the Filipino diaspora, and so um, was really involved with the Filipino American community growing up, and it was for me like having a very strong community was incredibly formative um, for my um, my childhood and my youth, and so when I came to college, I really wanted to be part of. Um, kind of building, like um, being a part of an Asian American community. And, um, uh, you know, I did tutoring stuff also in high school, and so like this felt like, that felt like a very natural fit for me. Um, so I started with, you know, Chinatown after school, um, and then just was like really, really fortunate to be with a lot of, um, my, with, my, with a lot of my co-volunteers who are very community, like focused and very community driven. Um, and, you know, and the, and the program itself too is also very community driven. Uh, and it's you know it's what I was looking for basically, um, and so um, really like engaging with kind of that community in like a very like in like a very like real kind of way, not just like kind of showing up like uh, I mean yeah it was showing up once a week, but it was also kind of getting to know the community like my kids' parents and things like right. that. And a, lot all the, of, a lot more personality. A lot more personality. Just also getting to know all the other community organizations and things like that. And um, I think what I was struck by was. Um, I just I, I met a lot of I met a lot of kids who were just having a really hard time with kind of this transitioning into adulthood, um, and I think as an Asian American, what was a little was really heartbreaking for me was to see a lot of kids um, growing up seeing um, seeing a lot of kids growing up feeling that being Asian American was somehow a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And it, that didn't make, at first that didn't make sense to me because I didn't grow up that way. And so for me, it was like really heartbreaking actually to have like, to, you know, work with, with especially certain kids like that had a hard time with um, seeing their, their ethnic heritage as an asset. They instead thought of, thought of it as something that got in the way. Right. And, getting to know kind of the community and the history of Chinatown, I understood, I, I better understood like why that was, like some of the racial, like the structural racial dynamics that, that, that affected that. Um, and, um, and then like what does that mean, what does that mean for someone who's growing up, like what does that mean for a young person who's growing up into adulthood? And um, what was really cool is like when I, uh, you know, I, I like became very quickly involved with other PBHA programs and like other, and. and and maybe not even like necessarily volunteering for other PBHA programs, but working with other PBHA program directors, and learning that like 
it was not just a child that was not just a Chinatown issue that was like a, that was a huge issue for a lot of kids growing up in the city um, and I would venture like now knowing this is a huge problem for young people in general um, but anyway so it was like really cool it was like I mean it was heart it was heart-wrenching to learn that uh, and also you know at my at the time too, me also going through that a very a parallel formative experience too um, you know coming from California and then coming to to, to Harvard, that was a huge cultural shift for me, and so like, also, and so I'm kind of also par parallel going through the same experience. Right. Um, but then I also learned like a lot of other program directors are having the same kind of experience, um, and so for me, I became very much interested in this whole like life course kind of um, model, right? Because like, a huge part of PBHA is, is 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 fostering these like longitudinal relationships, these long term meaningful connections with people, um, like over the lifespan, and. Um, and yeah, so that for me, that was like super, super important. And then uh, I just like have learned, like have, you know, had so many benefits from, from, from that experience. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward, like fast forward, like way in advance five years to medical school. Uh, and then I learned um, that my, this is what my specialty like excels at, is like, how do you have, how do you have this like long-term developmental longitudinal um, um, perspective on the life course mm -hmm. and like following, um, you know, understanding how individuals, how, how pa individual patients actually, how their lives change over their lifespan right. uh, and how we help, not help, how we, how we like um, make sure that they have the opportunities and resources to do that in a very like meaningful and graceful way. Um, and I just remember, I mean, that's why I chose my specialty. That's why I chose to become a med-peds physician was because um, I remember like, just meeting people who like they, they thought that was important I was like ah yeah. this is like the PBHA of medicine like I have to do that um, so it was like super like super super like, important so you're very much still building longitudinal relationships yeah I am still I am still doing the same kind of stuff um, in a lot of ways so um, the, and the and I guess the reason why I do a lot more with like disabilities was like I know working with um, my kids over the long it was only working with my kids over long term but also understanding the structural problems that kind of face some of these kids. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I was like, I was recognizing that some of my students actually had undiagnosed disabilities, and I, you know, that started getting me to ask, like, well, why, how did this happen? Like, these kids are these. We're not talking like first and second graders. We're talking like sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Um, how can they have gone so long without like a diagnosed yeah. um, disability? Um, at the time, I had no idea what was like, what was going on with them. Um, but now looking back, I'm pretty sure um, they would have benefited from like you know formal you know individualized education like IEP and individualized education plan or you know some other types of services. Like looking back, I now kind of understand that. Um, but yeah, so that's the long long answer to yes, my experiences uh, at PBHA have definitely informed and shaped kind of how we approach. Um, my, my practice as a physician, so. And, and as a researcher as well. So. I'm glad that you're, uh, you've elaborated on that, but also it brings up another question with, you've, you've been a volunteer, you've been a director, mm -hmm. you've been an officer, mm -hmm. you've even gone up to president, mm -hmm. so you've had this diverse experience at PBHA in all different facets, mm -hmm. and you've combined all of that into the career choice that you're making now. Mm -hmm. So what I'm curious about is, since all your experiences obviously like appeal to a diverse number of like, PBHA, whether there are volunteers or our directors or mm -hmm. our officers, what like if a child was, uh, if a student was in your position, and they wanted to get this inspiration, they were waiting for that click. What would you tell them? Oh, that's a good that's question. Um, 
That's a really good question. I think, um, I, so I think there's this, I think there's this misconception that um, inspiration is, um, is luck, that it just like randomly happens. And, um, so let me, just, I'll say that again, just so you can edit it out later. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think there's this misconception that, um, you know, inspiration is like random and it just like, it's, it's just lucky if you get it. Um, but I think, um, I think it's, a, it's really important to kind of put yourself kind of in situations that uh, and positions and communities and programs that are like consistent with your values um, and to surround yourself with kind of, yeah, and to surround yourself with um, like-minded people, but also like to surround yourself with service. Um, and, and then, and like, and if you structure it that way, then the inspiration like comes, like mm -hmm. the, the aha moments happen. Um, I, and I say that because actually, like, what's really funny is like PVHA still teaches me things. Actually, um, I actually ha like during the talk, uh, you know, I'm here for the Robert Cole's Call of Service lecture and we uh, word and weekend, and um, uh, and it was you know, the talk was by um, Christina Jimenez, and I I had like and there was a, qu a question and answer kind of uh, session afterwards, and I had a, I had another aha moment actually, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I am still learning from PVHA after all these years. Um, and yeah, and it's like, that's not something, you know, that's not something I would have predicted, obviously, but it is something where like, you know, this is why I keep putting my time into PBHA because it just, it keeps giving me back and I still keep learning. I still keep learning things. I'm still like, I'm still inspired. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think if you're like looking for inspiration, like you, you just, you just have to do it. You just have to do the work and it will happen. Um, I think what was like super important uh, and a very important lesson um, that um, an important piece of advice that someone gave me when I uh, when I became when I was fortunate enough to become president um, was I was reminded to, to make sure to continue to volunteer um, as a ground level volunteer in, a, in, in at least one or two programs while I was still president. Um, just to like you know there's there's yes there was like a lot of like administrative kind of like burdens and work kind of being an officer but like it's super easy if you're not like doing like the, 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 the ground level work it's super easy to get detached and forget like why you were there in the first place and so you know every Wednesday I still showed up in Chinatown and like and did my thing and did like my mentoring and my tutoring um, and then you know and then on, on, on Thursday I would have a meeting with like you know Harvard <laughs> uh, with you know Harvard deans or whatever about like policies about student service and things like that. Um, and, it, and it was super important because I, I, you can, I can still, I was still able to speak about like what, it, what the volunteer experience was like and what it was like working with a community. Um, and to this day, that is something I, I try to abide by as much as possible. You know, I do, I spend a lot of time uh, researching and, you know, at a computer, like crunching numbers or like analyzing things. Um, but I still make it a point to also still practice uh, like primary care uh, and see patients at the hospital um, because it continues to um, 
you'll hear a protest in the background, but I, I <laughs> amazing, even better. <laughs> uh, just inspired. But anyway, um, it um, yeah, to continue um, seeing patients on a regular basis, to continue to provide that direct service, just to, to understand like what kind of these difficulties that some that, that people really do have on a regular basis. Uh, and so to, to this day, I still like keep that in mind. Like, even though as much as I am involved with like more administrative roles, um, to, continue to, 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 to continue to do like the, the one-to-one daily work is super important. And I am just every day inspired by like my patients and my fellow like my fellow clinicians. It reminds so, you of why you started doing the work in the first place, right? Yeah. yeah and it just like and it, the thing is like I keep getting I, I get keep getting like really cool ideas too from. Like my patients, like my patients will tell me, like, oh, like, have you guys ever thought about kind of doing it this way? And then also, like, I don't know why we don't do it that way, actually. But that's a great idea, right? And then this is like very much like in line with what Christina Jimenez was saying yesterday. Like, the best solutions often come from the people who are closest to the pain because um, they understand it, right? Um, and yeah, so to this day, I still, I still try to stick to that as much as possible. Do you have any general advice to give to? let's say first years starting off their, or anybody starting off their first years of service? Uh, yeah. Anything from somebody who's you know, been down that road? Yeah, so um, as a physician, I will say, I think there's this overriding assumption that you have to be a certain type of student um, in order to pursue medicine, or any other of kind of the, um, some of the other professions as well. I just, I can't speak to it, but I assume this is true of the other professions as well. Um, you know, like your resume has to look a certain way um, or whatnot, but um, it's just it's just not true. <laughs> I think what's most I think what's more important is that you stick to the things that you kind of really love doing uh, and things that you find like tr- like truly rewarding. Um, and I think when you when you do that, and then you have like really positive experiences. And it creates this like really great, awesome, like positive feedback loop. You keep doing because it it's like so you become super passionate and you become like really committed to whatever that activity is. Um, I think it really shows, and it really shows that you have like a depth of experience in something. Um, you know, for me that was that was Phyllis Brooks House Association, um, and just be able to have you know I have like a myriad of experiences to talk about in terms of like my work. Um, in Chinatown and like in other communities and like um, you know my work with like organizing and advocacy um, and all of this, those things like still um, impact the way I like approach patients and the way I approach like the healthcare system. Um, I, you know I don't have any answers. I don't know um, what, you know what our country should do in terms of healthcare restructuring but um, you know I, I it's, it's never, my, my passion for it is never under doubt. Um, and that is something that has, um, that's something that PBHA has given me is that I'm really able to speak about these things like with, uh, frankly, with competence and confidence uh, because I know these experiences are real. And I think that's what kind of, uh, to be honest, like kind of sets me apart a little bit. And I'm like really proud of that. For all the pre-meds out there, um, a, it does look good in grass. It does look good in a resume, <laughs> but B, it will make you a better. It will make you a better physician, but more importantly, a better human being, <laughs> to really stay engaged, like with a community or like or whatever that or whatever happened that the passion happens to be. Um, 
I think it's like it's like super important. Um, I will say like the the most awesome thing about one of the more, one of the most awesome things about this weekend was that I got to reconnect with uh, some of my former students. Um, I met them when they were like kindergartners, and now they are running PBHA programs. And um, I could not be like I. I'm not going to like pretend that I had something directly to do with their like successes now as, as young adults, um, but to know that I was able just to witness that is, I think, a privilege in and of itself. Um, but then also, like, they totally recognized me, and I totally recognized them, and we were talking, and it was so great to be able to reconnect and. Um, I'm just reminded that's that's why I do this. Like it's this the, the long-term, longitudinal, meaningful relationships um, to see like a community, you know, be able to um, build its own capacity and its own leadership is like such incredibly rewarding. And it just reminds me like why I like do this. I just do this in the first place. So I think that's really powerful, and I definitely think you had an effect on those kids. Um, in their development as leaders. But with that, thank you so much, Angel. I really appreciate it. And your wisdom, your advice, and more of just your story, I think are very helpful to our PBHA volunteers and students on the whole. So thank you so much. Yeah, happy to help. And now reflecting on that, I think the best way to close out this second episode that's alumni focused is a little activity that we did then and there which was to find one word or one phrase that makes us think about our times at PBHA and doing service in general. I will share what the other alumni had to say, but I deeply encourage you as a personal activity to think about a word or phrase or a number of words and phrases that describe your volunteer experience and describe your service experience. Doing this helps you think about what is most important to you, but more importantly, helps ground you in why you do this. You know, if my word is grounding or if my word is motivation, then I know that my primary drives in life are to do service or to better my community. Likewise, if I say the relationships, if I say the community, then I know that these like interpersonal ties are what drive my service work. I think in this way, you can better understand yourself and your own service by trying to synthesize it as much as possible. And of course, the less words, the better, because then you really bring it down to pillars that you enjoy in yourself. Hopefully that helps. And here are the alumni words from our activity. and values that guided and still guide my career path. 
PVHA is the heart and moral center of Harvard. Love that too. PVHA keeps you grounded. The only institution at Harvard worth investing in is PVHA. <laughs> PVHA is a lifelong community that will change your life. Helping people help themselves, we're opening eyes to opportunities. Volunteering with PVHA has the unmatched ability to recalibrate and re-energize your undergrad experience. My biggest regret at Harvard is that I didn't find PVHA sooner. Um, P PVHA is where I discovered my purpose and I've been committed to educational equity ever since. PVH connected me to the community and to other students with a shared commitment to serve others and seek a more just society. And at PVHA, I was able to reflect upon the structural inequalities that we were working to address right. within our programs. Love it. And this concludes our alumni episode of the PVHA podcast. I don't know about you, but if you noticed in those quotes and those words, jokes were right there in the middle. I think so much of service is about having a light heart and to tackle these very tough issues in the community. And hearing that from the source, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. So I hope listening to these alumni and listening to these experiences that people have had motivates you in your own service work. But more importantly, I hope that it brings you to an understanding of why you would do such a program or why you would create these meaningful changes in the community because you can see firsthand from the people that helped and the people that were impacted by it are both super thankful even all these years afterwards. So with that, this is Ahmed signing off. Thank you all and take care.